Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. It'll show you all the groups that are available for you. You can start making your plans today. All right, well, let's jump into what we're doing today. We are in week three on this series called Frequency, where we are learning to key in to the voice of God because God is a speaking God. And our theme verse for the whole series comes out of John 10, verse 3 through 5, and it's talking about Jesus being the good shepherd and And it's a metaphor of Jesus being a good shepherd and us being his sheep and the way that he leads us. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, that's the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And I really like that part where it says he calls his sheep by name. Because, you know, God is, because God is a speaking God, oftentimes people think, well, he's just speaking to his church in general. That there's this overarching theme that he's speaking to the global church. And I believe that God does do that. But I also know that God speaks personally and directly to you. That's why it says he calls you by name. He's a personal God. He wants you to know him just as much as he knows you. And he designed it that way. It says he leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. In other words, God's not going to lead you someplace that he's not going to prepare the way for. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Then I think in our current culture and the climate in which we live, it's really important that we know God's voice, that we can recognize it and understand what's his voice and what's not, so that we know what voice to refuse and what voice that we need to listen to. Now, next week, I'm going to walk you through that. I'm going to teach you how to know if the voice that you're feeling or the voice that you're hearing is God's voice or not, because there's there's plenty of times people tell me, well, God told me to do this, and we're going to We're going to learn how we can look at Scripture just to test that voice, get that litmus test to see if God is really speaking to us. Because, you know, people come up and say, well, God told me to leave my wife and go have an affair. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. I can show you Scripture. He did not. So, but today what we're doing, (laughs) I think that guy might have been here. (laughs) God is, is, today what we're going to do is talk about how God is speaking to you personally. It's not this overarching thing. He speaks directly to you. And we're going to look at why God does that and then how he does it. Because why, why does God want to have a conversation with you? That, some, that doesn't even make sense to some of you. Like, why would the creator of the universe want to take time to talk to me? And then when he does, what does that really look like, Aaron? And so that's what we're going to jump into today. Because I believe that God is a speaking God. He's a personal God. And he wants to have a conversation with you. Because the foundation of every relationship, every relationship that you have in your life is based on communication. There's, in that relationship that you're in, there's a part where you listen and there's a part where you speak. Now, we understand speaking. We understand talking to God because we understand prayer. We know how to go, help, or God, I need you to do this, or God, I need you to touch my body and heal it. We know how to speak to God, but we need to learn how to listen to God, and that's really our focus. And the reason I'm pushing so hard on that is because there are some people out there, there are some pastors and some denominations that teach that God isn't speaking anymore. They say that, well, well, God spoke, 
back in the day, and then he spoke to the disciples, and then he stopped speaking, and that's why we have God's word. And I'm going to tell you that God's word is a great place to hear who he is and learn who he is and have him speak to you from it. But I also need you to know that he has not stopped speaking. He's still speaking today. In fact, Dallas Willard said this. He said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they can have a personal relationship with God. If he's not still talking today, you can't have a relationship with him. And so that's why I need you to understand. You need to get on board with the idea that God wants to speak to you. He wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you because he loves you. And so he speaks to us. He loves us so much. This is who God is, his nature. He loves you so much that he didn't stand up in heaven and yell at you from a distance and say, I love you. No, God left heaven and came to earth and showed you that he loved you. That's who he is. He's a God that is with you. He's not distant from you relationally. He's not far from you up in heaven and you here on earth. He, he's not angry with you. God, God, God is, is here. He is with you. He is a personal God. In fact, in Matthew 1.23, it says this, the virgin will conceive. This is talking about Mary and Jesus' birth. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. He's not far. He's near. And because he's near, because of that close proximity, or because he, or he chose that close proximity so that he could speak to us. I love that. That's who God really is, a relational speaking God. And when God speaks, the first reason why he speaks to you is to facilitate friendship. If you're taking notes, this is the first reason why God will talk to you, is to facilitate friendship. But people don't see God that way. We don't see God as a friend. We see him as the big guy in the sky. We even call him that way, talk to him about him that way. Got to say a prayer to the man upstairs instead of to the God who's always with me, the God who never leaves me, the God in him I live and breathe and move and have my being. We, we don't look at him that way. We look at him as the God that is far away. And it's hard for us, and I get that, but Exodus 33:11 says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's who God is, and that's the relationship he wants to have with you. Now, I know there's some fundamental reasons why you're gonna struggle with that. You're like, how in the world do I talk to God? How do I do that? Like, I don't know. Like, I know how to say help, like I, but I'm not really sure. How do you... How do you have a relationship, a friendship with God? That, that doesn't settle well with me because, like, do you have to talk to God in a certain way? Like, you know, most of my language is slang, Pastor Aaron. I'm not sure. Does God even understand that? Yes, he does. What, but, well, 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 but, but I don't talk King James Version. You know, I've heard somebody pray, Thou, O Lordest, arest highest up in the heaveneth and the... the, the It's like when you don't know how to, how to well, it, it, you just add a th to the end of it, and that makes it more holy. <laughs> it's the King James Version conversation. It's like, do I have to talk to God that way? No. Do I have to be really wordy? No. I mean, are you like that in your regular relationships? Like, I, I, I get the struggle, especially during this, this 21, 21 days of prayer, this season where it's like all about talking to God and listening to him. 
It's like, how do, we, how do we do that? I'm not an eloquent speaker. Like, I've heard somebody pray before and question my Christianity. I didn't know if I was saved after I listened to them pray. I was like, it was just so beautiful, you know? I get it. Even in my own approach to prayer, the way that I talk to God, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I'm a list guy. Like, I enjoy lists a lot. Like, if I could write a list of the things that I like, list would some, be somewhere near the top, you know what I mean, on that list. I do. I enjoy lists. And, uh, and so when I come into prayer, one of the tools that I take into my time of prayer is a list. It's a list of, of the things that are most important to me. You're on that list. This church is on, this, on that list. My city is on that list. My family. I come in and, and, I, and I go through this list and it, and it kind of structures my time of prayer. And oftentimes, if I'm being honest, it, it makes it a little mechanical. It, it makes it like, oh, well, I'm walking through the motions and I'm doing this. It, it's just as important that, that I make sure that I pray for all those things every day. And that's why I have a list in the first place. And I struggle a little bit. Like, God, is this really what you're looking for? And then there's other days, man, that I just totally discard my list and I'll go on a walk and I'll talk to God. Or I'll sit on my back porch or on my front porch or, or, or go driving. And as I drive, I just talk to God about what I see. I'll tell you what, when I got back from Honduras, I was like, dear God, thank you for a five-lane road. Dear God, thank you for electricity that is wired well. Dear God, thank you for traffic lights that people obey. Because when you drive in Honduras, it's one of the most dangerous cities in the world in Tegucigalpa, dangerous countries in the world, and it's also like one of the most dangerous places to drive. Seriously, if, if you've been there, you, you'd see and you'd know. Like, I was just thankful, and I was just having a great time talking to God. Other times, I, I'm just, I just talk to him about how I'm feeling, what I'm going through. And, and when I do that, when I discard the list, what happens is it becomes this free-flowing, free-form conversation, just like I was sitting and talking with a friend. And that's what friendship is about, Right? It's about listening and speaking. It's a sharing of experiences. Second reason why God speaks is to give you guidance. He wants to give you guidance. See, God sees all the paths in our lives that we should take. And he knows that there's things that we should avoid. And he offers his guidance. Now, the tension and the issue with guidance is when we receive it, the reason God would say, hey, don't go that way is because you've done decided in your mind that the way you're going is the right way to go right? And so you're looking at it going, well, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, that doesn't feel right to me. This is the way I've researched and studied everything out. My pastor and my parents and my mentors, everybody said, this is the right thing to do, God, so I'm going this way. It's a tension that exists, but God wants to weigh in on every area of your life. You need to understand that God sees things from the beginning to the end, See, you, you may be confused about who God is, and let me kind of clarify the picture of God. God is not bound within time in the way that you and I are. He is outside of time. In fact, if he could look at the beginning of the end, this is God just looking at it. It's right here. Here's the beginning of time. Here's the end of time, and God is out here looking at it. He sees it all, and because God sees it all, if he's guiding you and leading you a different direction, it is for your best. You need to trust him, learn to trust him in every season of your life. This is what Ecclesiastes talks about, that every season of your life, there's a time for dancing, a time for mourning, a time for rejoicing. There's all these different seasons and things that, that God has planned for you and laid out for you, things that don't always make sense, things that are things you wouldn't have chosen for yourself. But in the end, the author of Ecclesiastes said that God makes everything beautiful in its time, that in time you will see the beauty of it. So just trust him with it when he offers guidance. God has something to say about every area of your life. 
You say, well, what's included in that? Everything. Everything. If you name something, he wants to weigh in on it. He's got something to say about it. He's got something to say about it. He's got stuff to say about the difficult things you're facing, like the job that you hate, the difficult situation, health situation you've been facing, the difficult conversation you have to have. He's got, he's got stuff to say about all that. He's even got stuff to say about the things you are going great. Oh, you think your marriage is awesome? I bet God's got a way to make it better. You want to key in and listen to those things. God has something to say about everything. And I want us to be, to be postured and to learn to do what Proverbs 3, 6 says, to listen for God's voice in everything we do and everywhere we go. He's the one, he's the one who will keep you on track. Another reason why God speaks is to provide perspective. This one's one of my favorite ones. Because, you know, just a shift in your perspective can change everything for you. It can change everything for you. This is like understanding the other side of the story. It's like sitting in front of somebody that's different than you and understanding why they approach something or feel a different way than you do. It's gaining perspective, right? It's important that we do that. But the problem is, is, is that perspective isn't just me and you. That's a natural perspective that we can have where we see things as we understand them. But there is a supernatural perspective that we can have. It's a heavenly perspective that God, who sees all things, he sees it all. And he knows what's best for your life. And so he wants to reveal to you his perspective, the eternal perspective, so that you can have that. Because it'll shift things for you. This is one of my, the favorite, my favorite things that I gain in prayer and talking to God and conversation with him. Is that he'll offer me perspective. He'll help me see someone in a different light. And do you know what it does for me? It helps me pray for them differently. It helps me know how I can serve them differently. It helps me know how I can resource them. Helps me know how I can love them. It's a perspective shift that only God can offer. I'm going to tell you, this happened one night. This is kind of crazy. Um, a few years back, my wife and I had to face something very challenging for our family. And in the end, there was decisions made about it, and the case was settled, and it was all done. But there was still some court stuff that needed to be buttoned up regarding the situation. And my wife really wanted to go. She wanted to be there present at the court case. And I looked at her at that time. I said, babe, I, you know, I, I would have to take vacation. I would have to take time off of work. Are you okay to go and do this by yourself? Do you really need me to go? And my wife is a really strong woman. And she said, I'll be fine. And so she went. For weeks, she went to court on her own. Two years later, we're both in bed, lights out, backs turned to each other, ready to go to sleep. And the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart, and he offers me perspective. He says, you know, when you didn't go to court with her, you really hurt her. She never said anything about that. She never said anything to me that when I didn't go with her, when I didn't support her in that way, that it hurt her. And so I turned over. I said, babe, you still awake? And she said, yeah. I said, you know, I think I need to apologize to you. She said, why? I said, I should have gone to court with you. I should have stood there next to you. Though we knew what the outcome was already going to be, I should have gone with you. And I, I just wanted to tell you I'm sorry. God, God just showed me that I, I was a jerk, and I apologize. And then it happened. We call it the period of two days of crying, because that's what it was. 
she, start, she began sobbing, like full-on ugly cry. I don't even know how I knew that because the lights were out. <laughs> but then she confessed how badly that hurt her and how that wound had just sat in her heart. And, and God restored relationship. How? I gained heavenly perspective. You said, dang, Aaron, it took you two years to hear God on that subject? Sure did. I'm not the smartest guy. We don't see things the way God does. We just don't. But he'll reveal them to us by his spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's the truth. You, you have no idea what God has for you. So we need a heavenly perspective for our lives. We can't go by what we see. Because what we see is the full picture. It's not the best picture. We need to go more by what we hear and put listening ahead of looking. That was really good. Somebody should be writing that down. Put listening ahead of looking. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us this. We walk by faith and not by sight. You say, all right, Aaron, well, what's faith? How do we walk by that? Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for. This is Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's the evidence of things not seen. You say, well, how do I get faith then? Well, the Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and we hear, what are we supposed to be listening to? The word or the voice of the Lord. That's how we get faith. So if we're supposed to walk by faith and not by what we see, that means we have to walk by what we hear, not what we see. There's a great story that, was, that I heard another pastor talking about. It's, it's a story of the Wisconsin Badgers. There was a, I, I hear you, boo, I got you. They were playing this game, and they were, they were playing terrible, so there's some redemption in the story. They were losing. <laughs> and, uh, but the, the weird thing was that even though they were losing and they were, they were being beaten badly, the Badgers fans were cheering. It really confused them. And the way the story goes is that the Badgers were playing that day and losing terribly, but the Milwaukee Brewers were also playing at the same time. And the fans that were there watching the Badgers had earphones in, and they were listening to, to the Brewers play, and the Brewers were having an incredible game. And so every time the Brewers scored, the, the Badgers fans cheered. And so while it confused everybody, here's the thing that you can get. They were looking at defeat, but they were listening to victory. I'll just let that settle for a second. I'll say it again. They were looking at defeat, but listening to victory. And that's what God has for us. That's why he offers perspective because it doesn't matter what you're looking at right now. You can prioritize and listen for the victory because God's got something to say. He wants to speak to us. No matter what you're facing in your life, we can prioritize listening for what God has to say to us. Shift our perspective. Faith will rise and we'll face whatever that thing is differently. I promise you. When God's speaking to us, the reason why he does it is to show us something. And God has lots of ways of talking to us. He's spoken to us through prophets. He speaks to us through pastors. Right? He speaks to us through other leaders. He'll speak to us through pain and circumstances. Lot, lots of ways. But today, the way that I want to focus on, the way that God speaks to us, is through his whispers. And the way he does it most is something we call like a gentle nudging. It's this inner knowing. It's a prompting 
that we feel like God is saying something to us. Next week, I'm going to give you the filter to understand whether that prompting that you feel is really God or whether it was just bad pizza from the night before. Because that's possible. But, but, but I want you to know that God is speaking to you. In fact, he speaks in these whispers. And you'll see this play out in a great story by the prophet Elijah. In 1 Kings 18, there's this fantastic story. Like seriously, whether you're an adult or a kid, you're going to love this story. Elijah goes up against these prophets of Baal, and the way that it plays out is amazing. Like, it's just this unbelievable story as you see God's faithfulness and how God puts his glory on display in this situation, and, and uh, it, it, it's powerful. He goes up against these, these hundreds of prophets, and, and God shows up, and, and all those prophets wind up dead, spoiler alert, at the end because Elijah just takes them out. It's just, it's just fantastic the way it all plays out. But after all that happens, after this great victory... Elijah kind of secludes himself and winds up in this state of depression. And God shows up and begins to speak to him and said, just because he wants him to know, hey, man, I'm with you. And so in, verse 19, or in chapter 19, verse 11, it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and, wonderful, or a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the, the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Another translation says a still small voice. And I think that's the way that God speaks to us. More often than not, it's through that still small voice. And I want to help you recognize that. Because I think God is speaking to you more than you realize and when God speaks, one of the whispers that he gives is a whisper of encouragement. All day long when you're discouraged or when the enemy is lying to you, I think God is offering whispers of encouragement to remind you of who you are, to remind you of whose you are, to remind you that that's not your life, it's not your reality. People think God spends, that if God were to whisper to them all day long, that God would spend time fussing at them, threatening them. You're going to hell if you do that. I'm going to hit you with a lightning bolt. Like he's just waiting on you to mess up, and that's all he talks to you about. That's, that's just not the case. In fact, in Romans 8, 16, it says, The Holy speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we are God's children. That's, a, that's an encouraging statement. That's an encouraging reminder that, that God wants you to know, Hey, I see you as family. That's wonderfully comforting to me. To know that, I, that, I'm, that I'm, I'm part of his family. In fact, in Isaiah 55, 3, he says, pay attention, come close now, listen carefully to my life-giving and life-nourishing words. You know, when you come here on Sunday mornings, I'm not, my promise to you is that I'm never going to stand up here and fuss at you. I'm never going to stand up here and point my finger at you. My, my goal is to always offer you life-giving, life-nourishing words to be an encouragement to you, and to always help you understand that God is for you, not against you. It's been too long that too many preachers have said that, that you are a sinner in the hand of an angry God. And God's not angry at you. He's for you. You're family to him. And he wants you to know that he's making a lasting covenant commitment with you. And I believe God wants you to know that. And I think that some of the ways that he speaks to you and these words of encouragement are to remind you, first of all, you're my child. 
You're my child. He wants us to know it doesn't matter what we've done, we're his kid. He may not be happy with what we're doing presently, but that doesn't separate us from him, take us out of the family. We're his kid. I tell my kids this all the time. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm not, I, I may be upset in the moment, but I won't stay angry, and you're never going to stop being my kid. I will always pursue you. And this is God. He knows what you've done. He knows how you're thinking. He knows where you were last night. And he's not mad at you, and he's not going to kick you out of the family. The second thing he might say to you to encourage you is that I love you. I love you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've hurt or how you've hurt yourself. You are loved. God is not mad at you. God, has, God is not just loving. He literally is love. And the kind of love he is is this uh, Greek word agape. It means unconditional. That means there's nothing you can do to separate yourself from God's love. He loves you no matter what. Third thing he might say to encourage you is, I'm so proud of you. You say, really, God? You're proud of me? How, how could he be proud of me from what I've done? Because God doesn't look at you for who, or doesn't look at who you are based on what you've done. He's proud of you because he knows what you can become. Oh, that's all right. You let that settle in. He doesn't see you through that lens. He doesn't see you how you see yourself. He whispers encouragement. Second way he whispers is he whispers warnings. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily use this phrase, but it's kind of, it's kind of become church terminology, the way we talk about things, you know, Christianese, as it were. But it's this, this thing called a prompting. We get this prompting or a check in our spirit. And this is when, man, like we feel this pause moment that, ooh, uh-oh, maybe I need to, I'm not really sure, or maybe, maybe the spirit will say, are you sure you want to go there? Like just, just kind of pump the brakes a little bit. In Acts 16, 6 and 7, it says, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. You say, well, why would, why would the Holy Spirit prevent them from preaching the word? Isn't that a good thing? It says, after they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. You guys try saying all this stuff up here. <laughs> but the Spirit did not permit them. Because, look, just because it's a good thing doesn't make it a God thing. It may be a good thing. But if, if there's a check in your spirit, God will offer that. He'll whisper warnings to you. So a few years back, I went on vacation. My family and I go on vacation every year. You just need to know that. And if that upsets you, I can't even imagine why that upsets you. That, I would, that I, once a year, I go on vacation, okay, for a week to 10 days. You'll see why I'm saying that in a second. We go to Washington, D.C. And we're there walking around taking pictures, and we're posting them on our social media like everybody does, just enjoying ourselves. And we were walking to our next museum, and I pulled out my phone, and I'm looking, and there's a, there's a comment on my picture. And it said, seems really strange to me that a pastor would have time and money to be able to go on vacation You all know what I'm talking about. You do it too, right? Somebody makes a comment that you just can't even begin to understand. And the thing that killed me about the comment 
was that this is somebody that I had loved, and I mean served, not just as a church. I'd led other people to do that too, but personally, I had taken this woman's husband to the store, bought him pants and work boots so that he could get a job kind of personal, poured into them. And all the way in Washington, D.C., I'm getting this snarky comment about couldn't believe a pastor would have money to go on vacation. So I, I started writing something back mean, and I got that prompting. Mm-mm. Delete. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I deleted it. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to rise above, so far above that I'm going to tell her why my superior self can go on vacation because I save money, because I plan properly. This is why I can do it, because I work extra, because I've got a job. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't do that. <sighs> Delete. I did go ahead and block her, though. That's what I did. I do, do, do that. <laughs> I may have pushed the button too fast for the Holy Spirit to tell me to stop on that one. But Because <laughs> even the second time when I was typing, the words might have been good. They might have even been helpful, but they would not have conveyed the right heart or the right spirit. My attitude was wrong. The Holy Spirit whispers warnings. And I think those warnings, maybe, maybe they'll come just as a simple, don't do that. Hey, don't, don't do it. That's the wrong thing to do. Maybe in your relationship, it's like, hey, don't date that guy. He, he, he's not living the way you are, and he's going to lead you away from your standards, your morals. He's going he's to lead you down a path you don't want to be in. Or maybe you're married, and you're flirting. Maybe you haven't crossed that line yet, but you're getting awful close. And I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit will speak. Don't do it. You need to get away from that heat. You don't want that in your life. Grass looks greener on the other side, but the water bill's higher. <laughs> he may whisper warnings that say, end the secret. Some of you carry around secrets. You have secret behaviors. Maybe, maybe you have a secret life. You know, I, I've been watching, I, I recently discovered, and, and don't judge my life, but I, I, for, for some reason, this, this show called Catfish showed up on my Hulu. Oh, you know what this is? Essentially, it's, it's people on social media that pretend to be someone else. And they lure people into a relationship, and sometimes it goes years. I mean, like, eight years long before this person has ever met the other person in real life. And they'll string them along until, they have a, and, 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 until this show comes and helps them get connected, and they discover that, you know, the girl you thought you were talking to is, is a dude who's just been messing with you for the last three years. And, and I think, I, I think, and you watch when these people, when they end their secret, some of them, the, the relief that they experience is amazing. You watch them visibly transform. <sighs> They've told somebody. Some of you are carrying around secrets that are just destroying your life. I, I don't know what that secret is. Maybe you're struggling with addiction. Maybe, maybe you just need some accountability in your life. You're, maybe you're somebody who travels, and when you travel, you don't, you're not as faithful to your spouse as you'd like to be, or 
you don't keep your eyes pure or, you know, you, you succumb to peer pressure and you wind up partying and doing stuff you wouldn't normally do. I, I'm not sure what your secret is all about, but that's why I love our grow groups. Because when you get into a grow group, you get to know people. And you get to find out that people, all the people in this church are not perfect. In fact, if there's a perfect person in here, could you just slip your hand up so that we can shoot you? I mean, see you. <laughs> that, that, that none of you are perfect and neither am I. And when you get into a group, you, you discover that. You discover that they've got issues and that they're willing to take off the mask and share that with you. And, and that just encourages you to be able to do the same. Because I'm telling you, when you bring that thing that you've been hiding into the, in the dark out into the light of relationship, it dies. And then, and then your burden gets lighter. If you don't believe that's something God wants for you, you're wrong. That, he does want that for you. James 5.16 says, if we confess our faults to one another and pray for one another, then you'll be healed of that thing. So whatever it is the secret is, maybe he's encouraging you to bring it out. And then the last way he may encourage you, encourage you or, or speak to you warnings is, is to get help. It's the Spirit of God telling you, you can't do this on your own. You need to bring somebody into this relationship, somebody that can help you. And some of you need to do that. But here's the dynamic of, of God's whisper that we need to see. It's in Isaiah 30. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So however God warns you, hey, just walk in it, follow it. And you need to understand, I'm not your whisper. I, I'm, not, I'm not God's whisper in your life. But, but I can connect you with, with that whisper personally. I can connect you with the God that's speaking. And you have that opportunity at the end of service today. The third way that, that God whispers is, is he whispers direction. You know, many of you are looking for direction. You're like, man, do I take this job? What do I do in this relationship? How do I parent my kids? Like, God, I just need some direction. And here's the secret to getting directions. Are you ready? Asking for them. Just asking for them. Going to God and saying, God, I, I need you. Involve him in the process. You say, what, what process? All of it, any of it. Before you do anything, talk to God. You say, well, what, what do you mean anything? I mean anything. Like I couldn't be any plainer. Just, just anything. Talk to God. Don't let this world tell you when or where or how to do things. Don't do it. Talk to God. A few, here's one of the any things that my wife and I recently did this with. We went out to buy a car. You say, you talked to God about buying a car? Uh-huh. Sure did. Because I'm going to get the best deal, but God's got a better one. Amen? So I, we went out shopping. My wife and I were sitting in this dealership, and we grabbed hands sitting right there. And we prayed, bowed our heads, said, God, just give us peace. And this is the car we're supposed to buy. Neither of us had peace. We looked at each other and said, no, nah, this is not right. We got up and we walked out of that dealership. Two days later, we walked into another dealership. Picked out the car. The guy told us the price. He went back to check on some things with his manager. You know how that goes. <laughs> and we grabbed hands and we prayed again. We both felt peace with a contingency. Well, this guy's got to come down $1,000. This is the right one, but he's got to come down $1,000. I kid you not, the guy comes back to the table and says, hey, everything looks really good, but we're going to take this down $1,000 and sell it to you that way. Okay? <laughs> you say, wow, everything shifts when you talk to God. Yeah, it does. He, he wants to offer you guidance. He gives direction. Even in the Bible, we see 
different stories. Luke, in, in the book of Luke, in chapter 2, there's a priest named Simeon who God said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you see the Christ child. Gee, you're going to see the Christ before you die. And so he's working in the temple, and it says in, verse, in, in chapter 2, verse 27, Simeon, moved by the spirit he, spirit, he went into the temple courts. He had no business to be in where the regular people were, but the spirit let him in there. That's when he met Mary, prayed over the kid, and God's like, hey, this is, uh, this is my son, by the way. Boom, prophecy fulfilled, done. Next, it says in Acts 20, 22, this is talking about Paul, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. You don't always get to know what's on the other side of obedience. When God offers guidance and direction, you just go. You, you just do it. And, and when God offers direction to you, he might be saying things like, slow down. Hey, you're doing too much right now. You, you need to take it easy. Or he might say the opposite of that. He might say, hey, you need to go ahead and do something now. Like today, one of the things you can do today is give your life to Jesus. He's been knocking on the door of your heart. He's been knocking on it this whole service. Go ahead and do it now. Let's, let's respond today. Some of you are like, man, you know, one of the things I've been needing to do is to check out the growth track. I need to know God's plan and purpose for my life. Do it. Make a decision. Go to growth track. It happens every single Sunday. Second service in the conference room. You can go. Decide. Do it today. Maybe, maybe one of the ways that he speaks to you is, is to take the next step. Some of you understand what your spiritual next step is. And I'm telling you that it, 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 he'll speak to you and say, it's just time to step, take a next step forward. It, it's time for you to take steps of spiritual maturity. It's time for you to read your Bible and let go of those excuses. Well, I don't know. I don't really understand it all. Take the step. I, 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 well, all right. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I, I know that you said to get baptized, but I've just kind of been waiting. Take the step. Well, I, I'd really like to know how to pray. Come to prayer. Take the step. Many of you know what your next step is, and if not, we're praying for you to know what your next step is. Ask me. I'll tell you what your next step is. Talk to any of our leaders here. Talk to anybody here. They'll help you understand your next step because we're all on a journey. What would it look like if this fall, the next step that all of us had to take, we took it? What would happen? Just something to think about. And the last way God whispers to you, he whispers dreams. Now, this is a fun one. You know, God will put dreams inside of you, dreams, that, dreams and things that are bigger than you, that are beyond your reach, beyond your scope, things that, that the only way they're ever going to happen is if he gets involved. Do you all know you're one of my dreams? That This church is one of my dreams? When God said you're going to plant a church, I didn't know how to do that. You're part of the dream that he put inside of me. You're part of the dream he put inside of me that was beyond me and that he intended to use to make an impact and a difference in this world. That's the dreams that he puts inside of you. And I know he put those inside of you too. In Job 33, it says, for God speaks again and again. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night. Now, I don't have many visions of the night. I had one when I was a kid and it helped me through a difficult time. I, my grandfather passed away, and, and God showed that to me in a dream, and I woke up that morning. I was prepared, and then my family gathered together and said, hey, by the way, Grandpa died, and I was like, I already knew. That's the only time I can ever remember having a dream in the middle of the night. Most of my other dreams involve Chipotle and a burrito. That's just what they do. But outside of that, I don't have many dreams at night, but God does give us visions. I believe that he does that. It's in his word. He can use those visions of the night to speak to us. 
Next week, I'll help you really know if the dream God has given you is from him. We'll, we'll work on that next week. But you need to understand that this is, this is a truth for our lives. God said in the end times that he would do this, that, there, that he would give us dreams. You say, Aaron, you really think we're in the end times? I preached a whole message on it a few weeks ago in the You Asked For It series. Yeah, the short answer is yeah, I do. Go listen to it if you want to hear why. I really believe we're in the last days, that Jesus could come at any time. And the Bible says that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. What does that look like? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. God's going to put something on the inside of you that might be the possible solution to a darkness in this world. You want to shift things, begin to invest in and follow the dream that he's put inside of you. Don't be a statistic anymore. Be a solution. Be part of that. Follow that dream that God has given you. So what God may be saying to you regarding your dreams, he may be saying to you, hey, it's time to go all in. It's time to go all in. Don't be a part-time Christian. Go all in. The thing he's called you to do, the thing he's laid out for you to do, go all in on it. Or maybe he'd say to you, hey, you give God, it's time to give him your best. It's time for you to serve. It's time for you to, to give financially. It's time for you to participate. It's time for you to do this, to, to not be halfway in. And the last thing he may whisper to you is, is something like, it's time for you to make a difference. This thing I've put in on the inside of you is to be used to make a difference in this world. That's what we really believe is like the, the last part of your spiritual journey. You know that? We believe all of it, everything begins with knowing God. And nothing that follows it is possible without knowing him. And once you know God, once you have a relationship with him, the next step is to find freedom. Oftentimes that has to do with our thought life, learning a new way to think. Because as you think, so goes your life. You think differently, you speak differently, you act differently. That's the way it goes. So we find freedom. That's our grow group model. And then the next step is discovering purpose, like understanding why you're here. And once you've, we've all gone on that journey together, together we get to unite and to make a difference in somebody else's life. That, that's ultimately what God has for you. He has a plan to use your life to impact someone else. Last week I talked about, about this, but regarding God's voice, like when he begins to whisper to you, there's a posture that you and I need to have. It's this posture that says, speak to me, Lord. It's a, it's a posture of, I'm looking to hear God's voice. That further says, I'm open to hear. Speak to me, Lord. I'm open to hear. Whatever it is you've got to say about anything in my life, I'm open to it. I may not like it. It may not be my favorite thing. It may not be what I had on my calendar or my schedule. It may be something difficult for me to say and or do in response to it, but I'm open to hearing. I'm open. Last week, we looked at Samuel's story, and Samuel was told to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, your servant is listening. I would love for you to, to learn to live a life where your ears are open, where you're intentionally seeking God's voice to speak in your life. Because I know that everything shifts and everything changes when you do that. You know, I spend every day in, when I'm praying, I, I lift up my calendar before God. 
I look through my day on the appointments that I know that I have, and I even address the, the time that isn't necessarily scheduled or appointed to do something. And I say, God, what in every one of those conversations, whether I'm meeting with a fellow believer or not, God, is there something you'd have me say to them? Is there something that, that is outside of the agenda? The reason that we're meeting, is there something you'd have me say? Because I know and believe that one word from God changes everything. And I believe that he'd give me something to say. He has time and time again. So I ask him, would you, would you just speak to me in those moments when I'm intentionally with people and when I'm not? When I'm just walking in the bank? When I'm just driving behind a Kmart? These are some of the moments in my life that God has chosen to speak that I was just super cash, you know what I mean? Taking it easy, singing a song, and God speaks. One of those times was a few months back, I met with my buddy John. And John was a very pivotal person, an important person in my life. We served together in youth ministry from, from around 19 to 21 for me. John was my, my uplink. He was one of my leaders. And I loved him dearly. And he invested in me and encouraged me and was just a very good friend. He's one of the guys that taught me to play euchre, one of the loves of my life. And John continued in ministry and worked in a lot of churches, held positions as staff, and, and then eventually became a pastor. And I followed him. He moved away into other states. And our, and our, and our friendship distant. That happens when people move away. He got a family, a beautiful family. Something happened. Somewhere along the way, John succumbed to temptation and started using drugs and drinking, and he lost everything. I didn't know all that was happening. He lost it all, and he lost his family. He lost his wife. They not only separated, but they divorced. And I got a call. I was talking to a friend. He said, you know, you heard John's back in town, right? I said, I didn't. I didn't know. He said, yeah, man, he's back. He's living, in a, he's living in, a, in a halfway house, a recovery home out near you. I said, a recovery home? What do, you, what do you mean a recovery home? This is John we're talking about. Are you sure you got the right John? Yeah. I, I didn't know what was going on with my friend. So I called him, and we met for coffee, and he shared his story. It's incredible. Incredible the. God's grace and his love that was on display in his life. And as I'm sitting there, uh, John is also a musician. He's a, he's a great musician. He's been in bands, and, and uh, I've worshiped with him for years. And, and, uh, and I heard the Spirit say, hey, ask him about his guitar. I said, okay. I said, hey, hey, John, I said, I said you still playing? I mean, I know that you can play, but you still playing? I said, uh, and he said, no. He said, I haven't been able to play. He said, when I went through all this stuff, he said, you know, I had to, he said, I sold all my stuff to feed my habit and then to, to get back here. He said, I have nothing. I said, you don't have a guitar? He said, nope. And the Holy Spirit spoke. He said, hey, remember when I gave you that guitar a few months ago and how confused you were as to why you had it? I said, yeah. He said, ask him. And I had, I had two guitars. I had bought one that weekend, but the following Sunday, somebody in this congregation blessed me with another guitar, a red one. And I said to John, I said, red or black, which would you choose? He said, what are you talking about? I said, red or black, John. Now listen, I don't want you to think too much of me. I don't always get this stuff right. I'm not always listening. 
Don't put me on a pedestal because of this one thing I'm telling you about. But John said, I, I think I'd like black. He said, I, I do black. Why? I said, because I got a black guitar and I'm just going to bless you. The Holy Spirit wants me to bless you. And, and so John and I went back. And let me tell you what that was like for John. It was a moment in John's life where God just wrapped his arms around him and said, not only do I forgive you and love you, but I'm going to restore you. Huh. A guitar. And now John's, John's not only in recovery, but he's leading in that house, and God's placed him in a place in, in ministry that he's now serving, and God's just restored so much in him. And listen, that being a part of something like that is what I want for every single one of you. So God didn't give me no guitar. I'm not, I'm not even talking about a guitar. God may give you an encouraging word. God may give you extra time. God may give you opportunities. He may just give you a smiling face for somebody who's hurting that needs it or a hug. And that day, I remember, I was like, Lord, who else you got for me to bless? It was just coffee. It was in the morning. Like, I'm ready to go. Who else? Because I know God was looking at, at John and he was just looking for somebody who was listening, and he found his humble but good-looking servant named Aaron over in Reynoldsburg. <laughs> I want this for your life. I, I want you to hear God's voice. Some, be, be positioning yourself to be ready to hear. And then when he speaks, the last thing you need to do is to just be eager to respond. Be ready. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you would just give us ears to hear. Would you help us clear out the clutter in our hearts and our lives? Would you help us even clear out the time in our schedule to position ourselves to be able to hear your voice? Lord, to be in relationship with you, that friendship with you. Help us, God, to hear your words of encouragement as you speak them, your words of warning and words of direction. Help us to identify and hear and understand the dreams that you've given us. God, as we, as we hear them, I pray that we would just be ready to respond in whatever way that takes shape. So God, I, I ask you to do this in us. I know today is pivotal. There's so many people that you're speaking to today and I'm just thankful for that. Let us be a people that hear your voice. In this, in this very, very specific and quiet moment, there's others of you. The voice you're hearing right now is, is a voice of God knocking on your heart. The Bible says that Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if you'll just open the door, he'll come in. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have it all figured out. But Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And if you're here today and you're ready to begin the relationship with him, He's ready to come into your life. And you do that through conversation. We call it prayer. And, and I'll give you the words here in just a moment. Others of you, you're here today and, and God's in your life, but he's not first in your life. And, and that's the knock today. He wants to be first. He wants you to seek him first in all that you do. 
And if you're ready to make, if you're in either one of those places and you're ready to make that commitment today, I'm gonna pray a prayer and, and you can be included on that. But if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna join, would you just, would you be an encouragement to me today? Would you say, Aaron, that's me. Would you just show that by lifting your hand? Would you just let me see you do that now? Yeah, thanks, that's awesome, that's awesome. His hand's all over the room, that's right, I see him. I see him, that's right, awesome. For those of you that are praying today in church, we're gonna join them so everybody prays together. Jesus, thank you for knocking on my heart. Today I open that door and I invite you inside. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Speak to my heart and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Simple Church, can we celebrate with those that have said yes today? If you made that commitment today, we already talked about what God may be whispering to you about your next step. Your next step is growth track, and I've already spent time talking about it, but you just need to do it. You can stop by guest services and get more information if you'd like. Uh, but, but Growth Track is for you. It's for all of us, whether you're a brand new Christian or you're just checking out Simple Church and you want to know what it's all about. Just take the step. Just do it, all right? At this time, we're going to call our service hosts to come forward. We're going to receive our tithes and our offerings. And if, just know that if you're a guest here today, you're under no obligation to give. I just want to celebrate with you a little bit and help you understand what your giving goes towards. This is not a church that's just a club. We don't exist just to feed ourselves and to pat ourselves on the back and say, way to go, woo-hoo, we're Christians. This is a church that's here to reach people. And I'm just going to tell you, just in the last two weeks, we had 10 people say yes or make a recommitment to Christ. Three more today, so that's 13 in the last three weeks so far. Seven people, oh, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Seven people got baptized last Sunday and one pastor fell off the stage, and now you can applaud. I mentioned the falling off the stage. Many of you were filming for the baptism. If you have me falling off the stage on film, please delete it. Seriously, I'd love to see it. All right, let me pray over the offering. Lord, thank you so much for all you're doing in us, God. We're so thankful as a church family for how you're leading us and guiding us. Lord, the people are being reached from this place and we're so honored by that, humbled by that. We ask that as we continue to worship you and giving our tithes and our offerings, God, that you would help us reach, reach people with every dollar that is given. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.